Good morning, church family, and I just want to thank Kyle and Macy for leading out in worship. Uh, you know, we God inhabits the praises of His people, and what a wonderful thing it is to worship together. Uh, this morning, we're going to jump into our scripture in James, uh, chapter 1. We're going to continue in the study there, um, and this morning we want to talk about um, uh, the religion that God acknowledges. And um, it's toward the end of chapter 1. You know, religion is something that most people are at least somewhat familiar with. Even those who have no affiliation with church have opinions about religion, even if they are nothing more than what I want to call preconceived notions. We have no shortage of religions. There's lots of religions out there, and many of them claim to have the truth and to be the, the one true way to God. But the point James raises is, does God acknowledge and approve your religion? And I think that's important. That's an important question that we need to answer. Because if God approves of your faith and your lifestyle, um, people's criticism really doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is what God thinks. And uh, let's look at our scripture passage. It's in uh, James 1, um, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Just two verses. And James writes this. He says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Let me pray for us. Loving Father, we thank you for this time and we thank you for your word. And I ask God that you would just uh, allow your word to sink deep into our hearts Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use it for your purposes, that you would uh, convict us of all truth, and Father, that you would use that for your glory. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for us. Thank you for being our Lord and Savior, and guide us as we study your word. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, Pastor James here has been talking to his readers about religion. And what does religion look like in, in practice, in truth? In verse 26, he sets forth a negative to, uh, with respect to religion, you know, what a man must not do. And, and so not be hurting others and, and making his religion worthless. But then in verse 27, he sets forth a positive with respect to religion of what a, a person must do uh, to do good to others in an active and practical sense and so proving his religion to be pure and undefiled. You know, those two words, pure and undefiled, are a positive and a negative way of saying the same thing, pure and undefiled. Uh, one is positive, one is negative. Now, we can think that if we simply don't do certain evil things, that we're pleasing to God, that, that, we, um, that we're okay, that we've got this, this down. But in fact, we've done evil in that we've done nothing. It's not enough just to, to not do evil. We also must be doing something good, something positive. See, we have 
as it was in uh, Jesus's parable of the talents. We've hidden our talent in the ground. If we're not actively doing something with it, if we're not practically putting it to use, then we are hiding our talent in the ground. And God is not pleased with that. You know, in several places in the Bible, God calls us not only uh, to, to not only a negative, a don't do aspect, if you will, in our walk with Him, but also to a positive uh, do this aspect as well. We read about it in Psalm 18 or Micah 6, uh, Daniel 4, Ephesians 4. Uh, this same principle is held out for us in James uh, 1.27. It's not enough just to not do evil. We must also be doing good. As, as one pastor related it, uh, related in reference to his wife, and when I say that, I'm not talking about me, and I'm not talking about my wife, Tracy. Okay, I just want to get that clear early on. You know, as one pastor related it uh, in reference to his wife, he said, as my wife sometimes says, whenever I start talking about some famous pastor or some heady, you know, theologian, uh, she says, sure, that's all great. But what I want to know is, does he pick up his socks? And, you know, we can, we can, we can have just the, the greatest mind or, or, or be able to communicate uh, like no other, but uh, the real practical earthy things is what people want to know. Do, do we do the basic things for good that need to be done? You know, we may not consider it much, but our human nature carries with it a certain amount of pride. And quite often we feel as if uh, we have mastered whatever activity we regularly engage in. And, and we can spot weaknesses in others uh, regarding their participation in the same activity. And, and we think we got it down that we know how to do it. And in regards to our text, James is speaking of those who think or suppose that all is well with their relationship with Jesus Christ and with their religious service but they can't see their need due to their own vanity. They're struggling because they think they got it all dialed in. And you know what? They don't because of their own pride. James is actually speaking to those who think they are religious and, and have a fond appreciation of their own religious activity and achievement. They're quite proud of it. Now, we discover an attitude that is that is often present with those whose religion is in vain. Many suppose that all is well concerning their relationship and their religious service, but they have a hard time controlling their tongue. See, James speaks of something that was in his day, and it's all too familiar in our day as well. Most of us are familiar with it, and that's a the picture, the word picture of a bridle within a horse's mouth. Okay, it's controlling, uh, having a bit placed in its mouth to control and guide the animal. And that's what he's talking about. It means to control, it means to lead, to, to guide or, or govern. And as I considered this passage, I, I thought about people maybe who speak out of both sides of their mouths. You know, while in the company of some folks, they, they may say all the right things, offering encouragement, and, and I want to say appearing uh, with generosity. And then in the company of others, there's criticism and judgment. You know, many times these folks are never pleased with the work or accomplishments of others. They always seem to find fault or 
point it out for others to see. And these folks never seem happy in their own service to the Lord. Rather than offering praise and encouragement, their comments uh, tend to be negative or demeaning. It's as if nothing is ever quite good enough. I think this is huge because James has been talking about being uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, uh, slow to anger. Talking about anger that, that uh, you know, uh, the anger of man does not accomplish the purposes of God. And then coming down through that, he, he talks about being hearers and doers of the word. And now he says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his own tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Oh, What a huge instrument the tongue is. See, we must be cautious that we don't fall into that trap as well. I know some people who never seem to have anything good to say. They can't seem to control their tongue. If you spend enough time with them, and if you aren't careful, you're going to find that yourself, you're going to be engaging in the same activity. And it's no wonder that many in the world have no desire, no stomach, if you will, for the church. They've heard enough religious people express their own displeasure about it. See, the religion that God acknowledges is rooted in personal faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way to God. The religion that God acknowledges is rooted in a personal faith in Jesus Christ. It has to be. It's the only way that we know to be made right with God is through Jesus Christ. See, the word religion, it's found five times. It's found five times in the Bible, in the New Testament. And two of those are in our text today. Also, the word religious is found twice in the New Testament, and one of those instances is in our text today. So as we think of religion or being religious, what immediately comes to your mind? See, most people identify religion maybe with a particular denomination, you know, Baptist or Methodist, Presbyterian, etc., Uh, Someone who is viewed as religious, as a a religious person, would be considered to adhere to those uh, particular tenets of a specific denomination or church affiliation. We might say that person's religious. Oh, uh, you know, they they adhere to those tenets of of Methodism or, or Presbyterianism or those kind of things. As we consider the passage before us, I want to just take a moment and consider the true depth of religion and what it actually means within the context of this passage. Because it speaks of the outward and the external observance of our faith. It implies that there has something has actually happened internally and is manifested, it, it shows up on the outside, externally. It speaks of the acts and deeds and service that result from our faith. See, when we talk about religion, what we're talking about is what we have on the inside reveals what we do on the outside. 
What we have on the inside is manifested, is shown by what we do on the outside. That person has religion. That's what James is talking about as religion. That there's been a transformation that takes place on the inside that is manifested on the outside by what we do. See, biblical religion is revealed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not adherence to the creeds or expectations given by humanity. See, we have a form of religion. Many have a form of religion but lack a relationship with Jesus Christ. They go, they do all the things that they think they're supposed to do, but they don't have that inward transformation. See, true religion will be shown in service and love to Jesus Christ, but also to others. See, the religion that God acknowledges also ministers to others. That's what James 27, 127 says. See, I read in A Taste of Joy by Calvin Miller about a wealthy woman who was found, uh, she had had expired, she had passed away, she was found dead in her home, and she had lived alone, and the coroner found no real organic reason for her death. You know, Miller commented, he said, I think the cause was neglect. She was weary of setting one single plate at the table and fixing her coffee one cup at a time. The woman had written on her calendar only one phrase. It said, no one came today. Folks, that's a sad commentary. But it's an example of what we mean by visiting the the orphans and widows in their distress. You see, the word Visit means more than just dropping in for a social call. Although it includes that, that's part of it. It comes from the same word that is translated in our Bibles, overseer, describing the work of elders. It means to look out for, to care for, to be concerned about. To show this concern for orphans and widows requires that a person take its focus off of themselves and their needs, and think about others and what their needs may be. Usually, there's no payback when you care for orphans and widows. And see, in that society that James is is talking about, they were poor and they were unable to work. They were not able to provide. So payback is not going to happen. See, what motivates you to care for them is you know that they have needs and you apply the golden rule. How you would want to be treated if you were in their situation. And you do it so that you please God who sent His Son so that we could be adopted into His family. See, the point is that when God takes root in our hearts, it shifts our focus from ourselves It transforms us, and our focus becomes Christ and others, not on us. See, one practical way that I've found to move from having good intentions to obey the Word is to actually uh, do what it says is to put it in my schedule. Because it's easy for me to think, well, I need to go see so-and-so today and encourage him in his faith. 
That's a great thought. But if, if I don't put it in my schedule, it won't happen. Because I don't have a whole lot of spontaneous free time where I'm wondering what I'm going to do. Most of the time, it's laid out before me what has to happen today. If I put it in my schedule, then I'll get to it and it actually happens. See, the the religion that God acknowledges also leads to personal godliness. I mean, that's what he says in James 1, 27. As God's people, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We're not to join monasteries to keep ourselves from being uh, tainted or spotted by this evil world. James says later on in chapter 4, verse 4, that if we make friends with the world, we've made ourselves enemies of God. He means that we're not to embrace the world's goals, the world's priorities, the, the temporal values of the world. And we should not find pleasure in the world's entertainment if it mocks God and His Word. To be more specific, most TV shows and, and movies, they, they may defile you, and I would say you probably need to avoid them Remember that little song that we used to sing when we were children? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, we need some believers to practice that. But we are to go into the world and befriend sinners, as our Savior did, and yet not to be stained by their evil thinking and their evil deeds. See, more deeds and fewer words are our greatest need. If people are going to be convinced that our faith is anything but words, we must live like Christ before them. Otherwise, our words are like someone shouting loudly into the wind. You really can't hear them, but you can really see their deeds. Listen. People would love to have a salvation that didn't cause you to have to change your lifestyle. (laughs) That's the rub. When we come to Christ, there's a transformation that takes place within our heart, within our life, within the core of who we are. We now have a new master. We now have a new Lord and a Savior, Jesus Christ. And our goal is to serve Him and to serve His body, to serve others. See, if you run around evangelizing people simply on the basis that they can take Jesus and they can go to heaven when they die, you're going to get a whole lot of takers. But when you bring to them the responsibility to live in subservient obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then you're going to get a lot of people who run because they want to be in charge of their own destiny of their own destiny, at least they think they want to. But then there are those who think they have done it right and they think they know God and they actually don't. James's point here is that obedience to the Word of God is the basic mark of a transformed life. But then there are those people who, who don't understand that You know, if if salvation changes anything, it changes your will. You have new desires, not perfection, 
Understand, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to sin. We're all sinners. But instead of sin being what you pursue, sin is what you hate. Sin is the thing you want to be done with. You, you want to turn away from it. And it's a question of your will. See, I rejoice that we don't have to wonder whether our lives are pleasing to the Lord or not. We don't have to guess in regard to what He desires for us. We can know that when we are walking with the Lord, living in submission to Him, that we are pleasing to Him. If there was a moment in your life when you were saved, when you were born again in Christ, you'll know it. It's impossible to experience salvation without knowing it. Because what happens is you're transformed. You're different. A change takes place. See, having that relationship with Christ will create a desire in you to serve Him and to serve others. Pure religion will simply be a reaction to what has already taken place on the inside and will reflect the change that Christ has made in our lives. There's no need to worry about your religion. If you're a child of God, then walk with the Lord and your religion will take care of itself. See, Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable and perfect. See, we've considered two types of religion, one which is vain and the other which is pure. Understand this, that religion in and of itself will never produce redemption. But salvation in Jesus Christ will create pure biblical religion. See, many practice religion today, but I fear that it's just that. It's practice. They're going through the motions. It's not pure, it's not undefiled. They're just doing the external. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, I rejoice that pure religion flows from a thankful heart in Christ. Walking with Him will create an attitude of service and submission to Him. So which do you possess? Are you going through the motions? Or is it a heart transformation that, that displays your outward service to others? See, are you counting on religion to produce righteousness? Or has your relationship to Christ created in you pure religion? See, there's a big difference. Because one of them is vain and the other is glorious. You know, I want to thank you for joining us in worship today as we gather um, corporately but also online. See, we must pray, but then we have to be prepared to do the work. Once we know what God's will is, then we get about it. As uh, 
a dear saint friend of mine, um, Mrs. Shirley Burris. She used to say, Preacher, sometimes you just got to back your ears and do it. And really, she was just saying, get after it. Just get after it. God is still seeking men and women who are willing to sacrifice, to do His work. Are you available? Here I am. Send me. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. So let me ask you a question. What steps do you need to take this week to strengthen your walk with Jesus, to bridle your tongue, to allow the transformation inside to flow to the outside? Are you ready to open your life up to Jesus Christ today? Let me read this passage one more time, and then I'm going to pray. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it challenges us. Father, to to not be just hearers of the word, but to be doers. Father, to bridle our tongue, to put it in submission. Father, to, to, to govern it, to make it, to take control and to guide it and to lead it. Father, we can't say the things that we want to say. We can't just blurt out uh, these, these obscenities and profanities and, and the, the things that tear others down. But Father, we must guard our tongue. Father, if we want pure religion. Father, if we want you to acknowledge that our religion is pure and undefiled. Father, I pray that you would help us to do that. I pray that you would give us, Holy Spirit, the the conviction and the power to do that. Father, I pray for transformed lives, for transformed speech, for the things we type out on our fingers, uh, in our texts, and, and in our posts. Father, whether they're online or on our phone. Father, that demean others, that run others down, that are, are not showing your grace, your peace, your mercy, your love. I pray, Father, that you would keep that in check. Father, that you would check our unbridled tongues. Father, I ask that you would do that by your power. Father, we want to be a pleasing aroma to those around us. And Father, that we would have Jesus Christ on our tongues, ready to share with others. Father, I thank you for that. I pray that you would do that by your power and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.